Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann and the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today. I can't even wait for you to meet this brand called Aloha. I cannot wait to dive in. You're going to love the guest on today. Brad Sharon's here. He is the CEO. I cannot wait, Brad. It's so exciting that you're here. Um, thanks for making time to be with us this morning. Thank you, Justin. It's a pleasure. It's too bad you're low energy, man. I don't. <laughs> popping. I had too much caffeine already. Um, no, dude. Yeah. And I know you're an energy guy. And so I had so much fun um, getting to know you and your background in consumer products. We have like 80 connections in common on LinkedIn. How fun is that? Is that like it? we is that I know it? that's probably not not enough. Um I th- <laughs> we'll go for more in a couple months. How about that? Um but <laughs> it's so great to have you here. We're going to talk aloha today. Organic, clean, plant-based food. Um you guys are going to love the story and the brand and you're going to love Brad cuz his background's pretty incredible in this industry. Um a real leader in this space. So, let's do this, Brad, before we jump into the company and product um, and packaging and everything else around it, how about share a little bit about your background and your experience in the industry? Um, I wish I was more exciting in a lot of ways. <laughs> Dude, you uh, are. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, for folks listening in there, when they when they start their careers, they're like, wow, I really want to go into consumer packaged goods. Wouldn't that be exciting? Um, and, and you get into the business and the industry and you realize that that everything that someone touches in their day-to-day life could be yours. You could have your hand in that. That is really interesting. Um, and so I've always been fascinated by, by what a consu- what motivates a consumer, what, what are the decisions we make, why do I choose one brand or another, why one packaging makes me feel a certain way and one makes me feel a different way. Um, and so, uh, but no, I, I, I grew up wanting to be a hockey player. I was a, I was a, a, a decent hockey player. There was always people better than me. And that always kind of pissed me off that there were people better than me. And so um, I spent most of my career uh, trying to trying to prove that I belong. And um, and over that course of that time, I was surrounded by a lot of really smart people, much smarter than me, a lot of more accomplished people than me. And as I got more and more mature in my career, I realized that it was less about me trying to prove to them how good I was or, or how good I thought I was. And I thought I was better than I was. Um, but it was more about how do you can glean from every experience and every person and learn and get better and contribute more and make a difference, which at the end of the day, I think the consumer goods is full of people who want to make a difference. And that for me is, uh, is the most exciting thing part about my day, my team, my company, and this broader industry that we share. Pretty cool. Uh, amazing background. Undergrad from Notre Dame in history. I got to ask you about that in a moment. Uh, Harvard MBA. Spent time at a couple of small brands you might have heard of, like PepsiCo, like P&G, like Chobani, like, I mean, you know, I don't know, Under Armour. Um, <laughs> amazing. But how do you go from history undergrad and into this industry? Um, look, I, I came to Notre Dame and I was I played hockey at Notre Dame. Well, well I sat the bench at Notre Dame really well. Uh, I was a great bench setter. <laughs> nice. uh, I, I could master stat charts like no one's business. Oh wow! Um, okay, uh, as a goaltender at, at, for hockey, um, but and, and that still is my one of my passions today. I still play multiple times a week, and all my daughters, I have three daughters, my daughters all play, and so that's a great kind of as we continue our careers. Um, and certainly, I love being a CEO of a company, uh, but being a, a, a husband and a father and a hockey coach is. Uh, probably more more proud of that than anything else. But um, no, history was great. History was how do you learn from the mistakes of the past and not apply them in the future? Um, 
Uh, I went to Notre Dame to learn how to read, write, think, and speak. Um, and, and that's why I, I majored in history. Um, I still, uh, I read a lot of books. Uh, I don't read a lot of business books, Justin. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's largely because I can't understand them. Um, but it's, but I love history books and I love historical fiction and I love to think about characters from the past. And one thing as it relates to history as it relates to brand building or con- consumer goods is that I, I don't like one dimensional characters. I don't like two dimensional characters. I like the characters from history that have real depth to them. Uh, the ones that you don't know what they're thinking at any point in time or what they're going to do. And those are the ones, those are the brands that I love the most as well, that are their multi-note, that they win in multiple dimensions, that they're never just defined by one attribute or two or three or four, but it's the holistic proposition that brings a consumer in, keeps them sticky, keeps them active, keeps them vibrant, and then makes that consumer want to go espouse the beliefs of that company and that product. And that I learned that in history at a very young age and, and hopefully apply that every day. That's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, and, and great experience in different roles from marketing to GM, a, a brand line and whatnot. Um, I mentioned, I didn't mention Nature's Bounty. It's another big brand that's just booming right now. Um, okay. So let's fast forward now. Um, I, I love hearing, I love to explore backgrounds and stories with our guests. It's just so interesting and fascinating just to hear people's past and they're all different and unique, which is, which makes it so cool. Um, You've been at Aloha now as CEO, uh, present CEO, what, f- almost five years. So tell us about Aloha and what drew you to the brand. Well, look, I was I had worked with entrepreneurs, as you mentioned. I was fortunate enough to work at Under Armour with Kevin Plank and uh, Trevani with Hamdul Lukaya, and then I worked at with Kind Snacks as well. It's not really on my resume, but I worked with uh, with my friend Miguel Ayal, uh, who now became a founder himself as the founder of a company called Somos. S-O-M-O-S, a Mexican food brand. Miguel and I started at Frito-Lay, first day together, became fast friends. But he introduced me to a guy named Daniel Obetsky, who's a pretty important guy, one of the most genuine people I've ever met. And Daniel uh, offered me the opportunity to work on his brand uh, in the process of why, why he was when he was selling it to Mars. And so I'm always grateful for that opportunity. Um, but, uh, but I was with these great entrepreneurs, and I finally was trying to figure out, well, what do I want to do? Sure. Uh, I didn't want to work from any, anyone else at the time. <laughs> I was wanted to start out on my own. Um, and, and I was introduced to Aloha, which, which uh, was, a, was a marketplace. It, was, it sold a bunch of different products. It was created by, originally created by an Austrian entrepreneur. Um, and, and they had big ambitions, uh, but they had poor execution. Um, they, their operating burn was uh, unsustainable. Um, they were disjointed in their approach. But the bone structure uh, of being a, a plant-based leader, a plant-based pioneer, uh, all things organic, uh, highest quality, uh, white glove touch with consumers, digitally focused and digitally oriented, um, that was there. It just, it just, it was just sitting there waiting to be harnessed. And so uh, I, uh, with a couple investors, I took over the whole company okay. uh, and rechanged changed everything, brought down the product mix, changed the product mix, changed the, the, the retailers, got out of all offline distribution, wow. reset it from the ground up, changed the product margins, everything. Think about putting a house down to the studs sure, and then rebuilding it back bit by bit uh, while living in the house. Got it. Um, you don't want to live in that house for the first two years. It's uncomfortable. Um, and, um, things are falling down all around you and you're trying to keep the roof up with just your shoulders. And, um, and at some point in time, you realize that there's parts of the house that are really starting to work. And then you say, okay, all right, that I got that set. Now I'm going to build on the extension. And that's kind of the iteration of Aloha four and a half years in, uh, which started as a great idea. 
uh, and now has become a, a true leader in the space. Wow, amazing. Uh, you can check out Aloha at Aloha.com. Shockingly, you have that website. Like, I thought there's no way you have Aloha.com, and then sure enough, um, which is very, very cool. Uh, many protein bars, protein bars, protein drinks, protein shouters, uh, pow- shouters, powders. Um, shouters, yeah, yeah, shouters, shouters, some shouters. Shout- we did that with consumers. <laughs> shouters was, came up with a negative, negative from a consumer purchasing intent. So shouters is off. <laughs> No Total fail on Hahnemann's part. Um, incredible reviews on your product. Um, wow, amazing. Did you already have these products when you joined, or was it like we're going to start net new? In other words, did you have you had some maybe loser brands and you had some winning brands, or, or did you have to totally reshift the the product focus? What that look like? Um, call it ninety five percent new. They were nine or ten different product categories. Sure. Um, I'm a little old school. I was classically trained at, at, at PepsiCo and so forth, as you mentioned. Um, I am a believer that you have to be great at something before you go on to the next thing. Um, the consumer has to know that that you stand for quality and innovation and, and something that's worth their hard-earned dollars um, before you ask them to buy into nine or 10 things. And so uh, I took the whole product portfolio down, down uh, completely, redid the product architecture. Uh, we stayed in bars and powders. Got it. Uh, but even within those, Rejiggered everything. Rejiggered the ingredients. Um, oh, rejiggered the packaging. Um, uh, changed the selling story. Changed the proposition. Uh, we kept uh, plant based. It's always what we did. We kept organic, um, but everything else, uh, from the sugar content to the sources to the intent and the usage occasions, were all created anew. Uh, and then from there, we've added drinks more recently, uh, which I'm really proud of. Uh, I think it's a white space in the market, and, and then it's a logical. It gives you gives your consumers one more reason to come back and buy. Totally. Now, how important was it to have your network and kind of not only your background, but others, I'll say, in your network to help you with the assessment process, the, hey, re-strategize, I'll say new vision. How how did that play out for you? Um, It was, I mean, I was honestly, Justin, I was set up for this because I had been, I had experienced, you know, the Carlisle group brought me to nature's bounty, as you mentioned. So I had a category experience. Got it. And they brought it because the, the brands were, weren't working. Okay. Uh, they were Makes ancient. Sense. They were out of date. They were out of consumer expectations. And, uh, and so rethinking about honestly doing relaunches before I had to do a relelaunch at Aloha provided me great practice. It's like totally. being in a hockey net. It's hard to you stop done the, puck it the first time yeah. if you haven't done it a hundred times before. Wow. So, um, so no, I use that. And then obviously the, the network is, is quite small. And I asked really smart people, some really tough questions uh, and they gave me feedback. And, and honestly, then we just kind of, we started putting uh, a theory into action um, as a startup. You don't have the luxury of time, um, but also that you don't have the luxury of making mistakes. And, uh, and so my, me and my team, and now my team as, as industry veterans, and they've been at Justin's and Health Warrior and Pepsi and uh, aid, the agency world from marketing standpoint, sure. um, uh, Siggy's, I mean, they've been all over the place, but they've all done it before. And having a team of people that have experienced things more than once, more than twice, more than three times, my confidence ratio grows in our ability to make logical and smart decisions that prioritize good investments but more importantly, that I, I have high confidence are going to delight the consumer and allow them to come back to the brand. Love that. Um, you talked about earlier route to market and having to pull out of some retailers or some parts of your, I'll say, go to market strategy. We just covered product. And you think about um, taking product to market with a new product set. What, what did that look like? What did you have to reset from that perspective? Well, look, I mean, we needed to set the the, the PL right, right from the beginning. I mean, the world of 
uh, I may be an outlier here. I don't like to raise a bunch of money to know I'm going to lose a bunch of money. Um, I would love to be in a space where, you know, I have a look at the alt dairy business, or if I look at some of the deals that are happening, and I think about how many millions and millions of dollars are being raised. And I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm just not smart enough. And I think it's probably the case, but I don't know how these companies, some of these companies are ever going to make any money. And I think that isn't that the purpose of launching a business is to be able to be self-sustaining. You know, not every business is meant to be sold. And I'm no not doubt. saying, you know, but like you need to be able to self-sustain. At, at some point, I want I wanted to stop asking my father for money. I think it was when I was 14. <laughs> and, and, and anytime afterwards I needed money, I felt kind of guilty about it. Um, and so I think the, every brand has to be self-sustaining at some point in time or have a path to it. From there, from that proposition, then you go and say, okay. Uh, what can we do to be different, better, special, sustainable? Um, digital for us was was was, was a big fo fo focus area because it was the closest to a two-way conversation with the consumer I was going to have. Um, it was where I was able to get immediate feedback. As you said, we own this great asset called Aloha.com. Um, we own a lot of IP, which is really good, um, which which will help scale the business as we we grow. Um, but but having that dialogue, um, Amazon, uh, our ratings, as you said, are really strong. Uh, Amazon consumers are very, <laughs> very direct and transparent, no especially in uh, the reviews. And, and uh, that's that's wonderful when it's a great review. And then you wonder about it when it's a bad review. Um, you don't take it. You know, I learned a long time ago not to not to take myself too seriously. Uh, and as a hockey goal, you always the goal is to, to try, try to stay even, even keel and not get too excited or, or too down. <laughs> but, um, but digital was a way, a place we could really uh, hone our skills. Um, and we've been able to translate really excellent digital reviews back into some really nice wins in off and offline. And I believe in an omni-channel brand. I believe that wherever the consumer wants to purchase us, they should be able to do it. And if that's at Amazon, God bless them. And that's at Aloha.com, God bless them. <laughs> right. Pride Market, you betcha. Right. Sprouts, yes. Wegmans, yes. Game, game on. <laughs> right. uh, Harris Teeter. And now we've just won Whole Foods National. Oh, that's um, huge. Congrats. Uh, and we're three weeks into that. And, um, and, and, and so I get excited by that every day. Someone asked me, why did it take so long to get into Whole Foods? And we just weren't, we, we hadn't proven ourselves yet. Right. And um, uh, and they said, well, didn't you belong? And I said, sure, I belonged. But but you need to be able to, to prove to a buyer who, who she knows her stuff backwards and forwards. And she's really savvy and thoughtful about her selection. And, and having her vote of confidence uh, uh, to win a national launch at Whole Foods. I've been in the business long enough, Justin, to know that that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, that doesn't happen by accident. It takes accident. time. And my team did a hell of a job with it. They did all, they get all the credit, not me. Um, but I'm really proud that we're able to be an omni-channel brand because that allows more people to meet us. And, and my confidence ratio in our product and our brand and our packaging and all the C's and the P's you're taught in school is very high. That leads me to, to have the re repeat rate we do, which allows me as the GM, as the owner, uh, to say, yes, I want to invest more and I'm going to get a positive return. Awesome. Yeah, some incredible flavors. I'm just looking at the protein bars. I mean, peanut butter cup, chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh my God, peanut butter, chocolate chip, and the flavors go on and on. And Amazon, I, was, I pulled one of your SKUs up. It's the organic plant-based protein bar, chocolate chip cookie dough, 12 count. Okay, and for those of you who sell on Amazon, you know how this works. Like, It's hard to get reviews, right? And then when you get reviews, you don't want the bad ones. This has 1,200 plus Almost five-star reviews. Um, unbelievable. So pretty, pretty cool. Um, as you think about the consumer for your product, has it shifted since you moved the product mix or has it been the same? I think the consumer gets smarter and more savvy every day, Justin. 
Um, I think the power of social media and the power of transparency. Um, I think younger consumers demand much more from brands. Uh, we are a B Corp. We are a, a public benefit corporation. That means that there's even more expected of us and more Got we have it. to live up to in terms of values and balancing profit and purpose. And I'm really proud of that. It was really difficult to qualify for that. Only about 4% of companies that apply uh, actually get it. Uh, and what's great is that of the 100 companies, if it's 100 companies and forget it, uh, those 100 companies thought they had a chance. It wasn't like you, you know, we were we were some shell game company that said, "Hey, let's try to put one under over on the B Corp people." Right. Yada yada. <laughs> um, it, it was really really uh, important. It was like a, it's like getting a colonoscopy uh, uh, <laughs> in terms of how much you have to reveal to them um, in terms of them validating your business as one that truly is value based, and 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 I think the consumer appreciates that. Um, the consumer. Um, uh, knows more about plant-based than they ever ever have. No um, I believe there's a concept called plant washing, where where companies mm -hmm. are um, are talking and claiming uh, a purity in certain areas that may not live up to it. Um, uh, I want to make sure that we always can look ourselves in the mirror and, and ensure we're, we're not only delivering on what we say we're delivering, uh, but we're delivering the best we can deliver. And, uh, and that comes from uh, from not only from the product attributes and certifications and qualities from macronutrient profile and, and taste, by the way. Sure. Uh, got to taste good. Taste good. Nobody's going to buy it. God bless you. Right. Um, <laughs> consumers that really want to have to chalk through some bars, I <laughs> feel eh, there's like the, there's a Soviet style gulag waiting for them. Um, uh, but, um, you know, I think that that values based companies and, and, and that has changed to a degree that I don't think was was as much as as prominent four or five years ago when maybe someone would just want the new the nutrient profile or um, they still remember what it was like with old metrics bars and power bars back in the 90. Um, the benefit of our categories is that they're very big. Um, we're a smaller player in a bigger category. Sure. As an investor, I love that. As an owner, I love that as well. Totally. Um, but um, but no, I think if you if you really have a two way conversation with consumers, you're going to be more on in, in top of the pulse of where 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 they want you to go. And um, and if you know who you are as a brand, um, then you can steer into the right lanes where you have relevance. No doubt. Um, as you think about, let's talk operations for just a moment. Uh, what did ops, distribution, logistics, uh, manufacturing look like when you got there? Did you have to shift things uh, over time? How have you adjusted? I mean, you're, you're building a machine. I mean, this is the old analogy. You're building a plane while flying it, right? Um, there's nowhere people in bigger companies say that when they get to a smaller company, and you literally don't have wheels, um, <laughs> you know, and you're like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to use my feet. Uh, it's like a Flintstones car and you're running as fast as you can. And you can't get anywhere because there's literally a one ton stones you're trying to move. Um, <laughs> the supply chain is, has always been difficult for small companies. Sure. It, um, you know, you're, you don't have scale. You don't have clout. You don't have buying power. Um, it's, it's almost like, what do you have? Um, what you do have is promise. Um, what you do have is experience and a track record to get people to make bets on you. And so the early days were getting people to bet on us. Say, so, yeah, uh, Aloha is, you know, is going to be one of those companies that I'm going to bet on. And some of our co-manufacturers and our ingredient providers and our R&D partners have said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to dedicate a disproportionate amount of time to supporting Aloha that any rational person would say, nah, no thanks, wow. next. Interesting. Um, as the company has gone through the pandemic, uh, Justin, um, 
I mean, I, I don't know who, who, if anyone's listening or you have flown over the port of LA recently, <laughs> but seeing, seeing those, those ships waiting um, to get unloaded is a sobering thought for anyone that has any concept of the goods flow in this country. Uh, between trucker protests and wage infl- wage inflation totally. and, and the COVID pandemic and health protocols and everything else, right. it is an awful time to be moving things around the country. And so uh, we have a five-person operations team now. We've augmented it by 40% in the last six months. And if I need to augment it even further, I will. Um, there's nothing worse than trying to hit a sales number with no product. <laughs> and so right. we leaned no we leaned into my my head of finance and I leaned into production. We made a bet in Q4. And we said, you know what? We we believe in ourselves, we have enough track record. Uh we bought 40% more inventory in Q4 than I needed. And that was on a top line forecast, already a growth forecast. Interesting. And we did that because we we thought the supply chain was going to get worse before it got better. And I wanted to make sure that my commercial teams had the wherewithal to be able to be in stock. And sure. honestly, it served us really well. When, when other people couldn't supply, the buyers came to us. When other people were out of stock on Amazon or when it took too long, Coming Justin, to, you. to yep. load in. Yeah. You know, when you send it product via Seller Central and it's supposed to check in on a Tuesday and two months later, it's not checked in. What are you going to do? <laughs> you can come to those that are in stock. Right. You know, so reality bites. Um, and, uh, and the supply chain has to be able to um, to be the safety net for the company. And, sure. um, and I, I probably spent 50% of my time, Justin, on supply chain related stuff, because again, you can't make a sale. So if you're key. Out of stock. Totally. I totally agree. You can't make money if it's on the shelf. Um, and you don't want the retailer unhappy if stuff's not on the shelf, right? And that's a challenge for with many of the companies we talked about earlier that you used to work with, and big brands are struggling with that um, and trying to catch up. Um, let's do this. So I always love to ask our guests two or three of their biggest lessons learned You know, in your leadership role here um, in coming in. Uh, I know you saw a lot. You've changed a lot. You've evolved the, the picture there quite a bit. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening. We have a lot of uh, business leaders that are listening that you know come to this podcast podcast for advice and in coaching, what would be two or three things that you could share from your leadership journey um, at Aloha that might be helpful for others to, to hear? Um, I don't, you know, look, I, I think the days of me offering advice, my wife would just laugh at. Um, <laughs> um, I think there's a couple. <laughs> I live in a house of all women. I'm used to taking taking all the direction. They have plenty of advice. Uh, right. One of the dogs is a female and the other dog is neuter. So I'm, I'm the last man alive. Um, I would say this is, is entrepreneurs have, what do they have in spades? Passion, um, sacrifice, dedication, purpose, um, well-intentionality. Uh, they, they have all these things in spades and that's more common than not. You don't opt into becoming an entrepreneur if you don't have bravery. Um, uh, and so I'm not going to talk about what they have in spades. It's probably what they may not have. Um, uh, I learned a long time ago, again, being a hockey goalie is a lonely, lonely job. Uh, Justin, uh, I've heard more sure. things, more, more comments about my mother, uh, in arenas than I care to, <laughs> care to address. And, and at some point in time, you have to, to not listen. In fact, I heard some comments that were so amusing. Uh, that I started to listen because it was very creative. Um, but but the goalie mentality means a lot. I wrote an article in Forbes uh, Forbes, Forbes about this a, a while ago. But uh, you know you you, you got to stay even keel, and you, and you're never as you know as hot stuff as 
people say you are. Um, and you're never as stupid as people say you are. And I think having a real even keel would serve entrepreneurs very well uh, because this is not for the faint of heart. Sure. Um, number two is probably, it's just the power of the team around you and, and, and also about how you motivate them. And, and so when I was starting out, I, I hadn't had the track record, I don't believe, to really attract the, the department leaders that I have right now who really can, can be running their own companies. Sure. And they've chosen uh, to, to, to be a part of the Aloha team because, uh, uh, you know, all of us provide the strength for each other. Um, but that, that employee ownership, um, uh, is, is important. By the way, it wasn't Fortune or Forbes, it was Entrepreneur Magazine, that goalie mentality, just FYI. You know, Good, thank you remember, for clarifying. goalie brain, too many shots in the head. <laughs> Don't know where I, where I am. Where am I right now, Justin? Um, but uh, the employee ownership part is really important. We are a significantly employee-owned. I provide that skin in the game, uh, really motivates people. Uh, uh, and, and then that power of the team is that they're really supporting each other and, and I think entrepreneurial companies have that more often than bigger companies, but really how they interact. Um, I, I talk about departments as submarines with screen doors, um, is that they all obviously are, are self-isolated and they have their own pressurized cabins and their own job they've done, done. But screen doors is important because you need to be able to see through it and understand what everyone else is doing. Sure. Um, that's really critical. Uh, and I think maybe the, the last thing I say is, is, is a healthy degree of humility is really important. Uh, that goes to asking for help when you need it, um, uh, never being too proud to beg, um, and, and also just recognizing that it's not really about you. Um, <laughs> right. It's about what you're creating. Uh, right. This is not the LinkedIn humble brag. I'm proudly humbled to be <laughs> here. So humbled to be selected to the, um, it's one yeah, of my so, pet so, peeves, by the so way. So I'm humble, it's humble and so humbling, so humbling and so forth. No, but really having humility to say, sometimes I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, and that's okay. That that's that's critical, I think, for any CEO leader that wants to scale with their company, as opposed to the worst thing ever, which you grow a company and some investor tells you that you're not the right person to lead it in the future. If that if that's if people want to stay with their with their companies, they have to be able to scale with the job. <laughs> I'm still hung up on the humble brag on LinkedIn. <laughs> humble brag, dude. I it is a pet peeve of mine. Just saying. Um, we're all, look, we're all guilty of it. Like, 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 let's, hum, let's not be humble to we're share all, that I'm now the of CEO of this. Humble to share that I'm speaking at this. Humble to anyway. Um, it's great advice uh, all around. So so great. And I mean, the humility part is is not easy. I think we all say, yeah, we got to be humility. It's just not simple sometimes. And a lot of the things you mentioned, it really takes work. You know, um, this has been so cool, Brad. So I love the story. Love where you're headed. Um, where can our audience find you, connect with you, buy product? How do they figure out where to pick up Aloha um, products? I mean, look, we're 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 very fortunate to have have a nice following of people who love us. And, and but any, the job of any scaling company is to scale. And um, so the easiest place is, as you mentioned, Aloha.com. Like it's pretty easy. <laughs> um, it couldn't be easier. Uh, you know, follow us on Instagram uh, at, at Aloha Moment. Um, uh, we're available Whole Foods, Sprouts, Thrive Market, Amazon, uh, uh, Harris Teeter, Wegmans, HEB now, Meyer, uh, Walmart. You know, we're we're available in a lot of these places. Over time, we've thoughtfully rolled it out. It just didn't happen at once. And um, and if it's not available, if you're in a, if you're in a public store in in Florida and we're in a hundred of the stores and there's eleven hundred of them, you know what? Go ask for it. Uh, Publix will respond and they'll bring it in stock. 
So the power of consumers, whether you're in physical retail, uh, if you have a better flavor than I can make right now, email us. Like there's the, the best thing that any young company can be is be responsive. And, um, uh, and so we want to be responsive to our audience. We have a lot of fun, what we're doing. And, um, and, and that hopefully comes across and, and me as a mouthpiece for, for, for our employees. Um, but, um, uh, we, we want to be the branded choice for organic plant-based food, sustainable it. food, good food. And, um, and, and we're, we're, we're proud of what we've done, but we, we still have more to go. Love it. Brad, so fun having you here. Uh, we got to have you back on uh, down the road. Such great advice. You. And so, I mean, <laughs> I no mean, one I, wants to hear that. I can come up with some other really great topics with you. Um, it'd be so much fun. Uh, and listen, I know our audience really will enjoy today's um, just learning about you and Aloha. And thanks so much for being here with us. And please come back on down the road. We're excited for the, where the brand is going. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.